This week on Cine Chill. It's kind of in the mindset that you could make a short kind of quickly on whatever you could cobble together in terms of equipment and crew and money. And so kind of got into it that way. We shot the whole thing, all success, in five days because it's a sort of web series budget and, and we were being very ambitious with the kind of look of it and wanted it to feel as cinematic as possible. And I kind of actively have to remind myself that first drafts aren't meant to be good and that you just need to go through that process. Don't be like, oh, but I've got to wait until, you know, I've got £50,000 to make my short film. No, just do it. Coming through guerrilla filming and my own short films and stuff, you just sort of get used to, like, finding solutions to things and being like, well, we could, you know, yeah, we, we don't have the, the budget to do that, but let's do it anyway. Joining me today on this episode of Cine Chill is the Emmy-nominated, award-winning director of Comedy Central's new web series, Transaction. I am thrilled to welcome... Ruth Pickett. I was originally as uh, part of the Cambridge Footlights when I was at uni, so I did um, I did quite a lot of comedy writing and performing then, um, and that kind of led into when I left doing live comedy stuff. Actually, I used to be a performer, um, so oh, I used right, to okay. kind of yeah write my own stuff and and perform it to uh, to some success and. Uh, <laughs> Some, well, like stand-up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but sort of character comedy and songs. Um, and I did a I did a solo Edinburgh show, uh, which possibly at the time was ill-advised. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was a it would no, it was it was it was cool and it's it's super helpful now because I kind of yeah, I've got a lot of comedy background and sort of grounding in that in that world and in in how jokes work and what it's like to be a comedy performer as well but I'm I'm also have always been really interested in character and story and narrative and film um and then I kind of I sort of fell out of love with comedy a few years ago and decided I was going to write um a very serious dramatic script um and and then when I wrote it I couldn't help putting jokes in it and um sort of of realized that I did love comedy after all but that but that uh I was kind of more suited to sort of narrative and comedy drama um yeah so I then I'd written this film script um which got into development with one of Film London's schemes so that kind of took me into the into the film world uh and then I decided I wanted to get into directing uh and then kind of went backwards and and thought well if I want to consider directing a feature I've obviously can't just jump into that with not that much experience so um so I then wrote and made uh, a load of short films that I crowdfunded and um, I made four in a year. <laughs> At the time it seemed fine and everyone kept telling me like it was it was mental and what and how was I doing it. Um, but I think it's a sort of nice thing when you don't have any expectations or you don't have that kind of um, the weight of the weight of expectation or the or sort of I just kind of went, oh, well, I'll, I'll just I'll just do it. Um, I had some friends at the time that were uh, that were running this kind of short film making collective where they made a short film in a month. They did like two weeks pre-production and a one day shoot and two weeks post. And it was all this, it was sort of a bit of a training ground, I guess. It's just and yeah. like no pressure. Um, so did that. And so it was kind of in the mindset that you could make a short kind of quickly on whatever you could cobble together in terms of equipment and crew and money and so kind of got into it that way in a, on a quite ground level basis um and then so yeah I took the films they took the shorts around film festivals um and did a couple of music videos as well 
and uh, and yeah, and then I um, the the transaction, the Comedy Central thing came about because I was I was badgering the Comedy Central development department about something else because um, mm-hmm. I'd I'd got on their mailing list because one of my shorts had got into a final of of a Comedy Central kind of sponsored uh, film competition. So I was sort of on their list of when they do call outs for writers and and things. And they were they were doing a call out for a um, a female driven sketch show. And I submitted some sketches, but I also kind of sent them about a sort of pestering email being like, ah, oh, you're doing a, a female driven <laughs> sketch show. I suppose you'll be wanting a female director. By the way, that's what I am. Um, and, uh, and was like, any chance I can have a coffee? Um, cause I, I, I'd sort of, because I've come into, into the world through a sort of not, not a standard route. Like I didn't go to film school. Um, mm-hmm. and I've just kind of along the way been kind of making my own way, but, but also asking various people's advice about, you know, how to do that. Um, and and one really p- good piece of advice that I got was just kind of try and have coffees with people where you can, um, that you're not necessarily kind of asking people for anything, like not going to producers and being like, I want to pitch you an idea all the time, but just literally like, can I have 15 minutes of your time to like say hello and tell you who I am and what I'm about and, you know, pick your brains. And that was, yeah, that was a piece of advice that I got in one of those coffees is just like, keep having the coffees. Um, and don't be afraid to be a bit pestery. Um, cause I think British people are not that good at that. I think as sort of just like, you know, just being a bit polite and like, Oh, I'm so sorry to bother you. Um, so, so yeah, I was kind of, I, I was just going like, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'm, this is what I do. Any chance I can get a coffee with you in the, um, the, they, they replied and said, well, actually no, but, but, uh, but actually we're, we're meeting directors for a different project this week. And do you want to come and meet the producers? Um, to which I obviously said yes. And then it turned out to be this fantastic project transaction. Um, and I really loved the script and just kind of went in all, gun, all guns blazing with a pitch and managed to get the job. So yeah, it was funny, funny combination of kind of lucky timing, but then also persistence you're so right a lot of people don't like to pester i don't have a problem with pestering as you can probably tell like i, I know i did hound you a little bit saying <laughs> you please come on my podcast no, it's re- but the thing is like i suppose when you're also when you're on the receiving end of that you realize that like actually you really don't mind it's just sometimes like everyone's a bit forgetful or like life takes over or you're kind of busy and it's not you know i at no point kind of didn't want to respond or didn't want to come and do this. And then I just kept being absent-minded. So actually the sort of reminder every couple of weeks or every month that you might send to, you know, that producer, yeah, they probably are busy for however long, but, but you just never know. They might have a bit of spare time and um, yeah. And also yeah. I think, I think, I think people probably make it clear if they really don't want you to keep emailing them. Um, I think you yeah. kind of, you know, like, please stop, please stop emailing <laughs> me, please, please. And also stop coming around to my house and watching me through binoculars. That was the part I got wrong. <laughs> um, one of the things that I find quite sort of interesting, if you look at my website, I'm not about just pushing a certain you know, type of filmmaker or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, have you heard of a girl called Prano? Oh yes. Um, Prano Bailey Bond. She's awesome. Oh, she's so talented. She she's also she um she used to edit 
her stuff is so well edited. It's like the slickest because uh, she also used to be an editor. Um, I think maybe she she uses an editor now, but um, yeah, actually my um, my DOP on Transaction, Annika Summerson, uh, works with Prano, so she's she's just shot Prano's uh, debut feature. So, oh, so, is that yeah. the uh, is it sensor? Is it? It's called. Uh, yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, so she was off shooting up in Leeds for. Well, Transaction had a, a certain horror look to it. I thought, like, it, is this going to give me nightmares, or is it just going <laughs> to be funny? Because it looks like it is about to turn like dark, like the the cinematography and like how it was lit and stuff. Yeah, like it didn't look like a normal little like supermarket type place yeah it looked like what freddy krueger would design <laughs> as a supermarket in my Amazing. eyes oh i love it yeah i mean that was that was fully fully the plan um that the idea being the sort of um yeah the idea that something sinister was just kind of lurking in the background and you should feel like something bad could happen even though it never did um and yeah exactly I, I, you know the sort of visual references with things like um Russian Doll and Stranger Things and and that sort of late night neon, slightly off kilter kind of feel that we just uh, wanted to create something that felt like its own world. Um, yeah. And Stranger Things, that's done so much for like pop culture. The references are everywhere and it's so mm. cool. My favourite decade was the 80s for movies and maybe music. There was just a certain charm to like movies like Big Trouble in Little China. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. I know. Have I, I'm, I don't think I have. There's there's a whole ream of films that I might have seen when I was a child. One of the best John Carpenter movies. It's brilliant. Very, very schlocky, but very funny. The hero played by Kurt Russell, he actually does nothing to help anyone in the plot. He just kind of gets caught in this wave. But when you actually like watch it, you go, he doesn't actually do anything to save the day. He's just kind of along with them. He's just hanging Amazing. around with them. Amazing. But he's like it. But he thinks of himself as like this Indiana Jones type character. It's brilliant. I lo- it's, uh, yeah, yeah it's- I, I loved so many of those 80s films that you sort of rewatch and realise are, are like actually not very good, but sort of also amazing in the same sort of at the same time because there are just the I mean I um, this is probably film blasphemy but I um <laughs> I watched Rocky recently and was like this isn't a very good film <laughs> it's just it was like yeah it's just that like I think you sort of expect us I don't know I think because so many films have kind of been like there's a version of that film that has come out of those kind of films that originally would have been quite sort of uh, groundbreaking at the time but Mm. it now just sort of seems really meandering and just there's like that and I think I was just like come on just get to the montage just get to the eye of the tiger bit (laughs) I just I don't know and like and just also loads of loads of things that sort of don't hold up in terms of like why is that girlfriend putting up with I don't know that it was can't explain why I had a problem with it, but I just found it a bit, just a bit lame. <laughs> I mean, I was never really into the whole Rocky films. I think like Rocky Four, maybe. I was never a huge fan of them. But I, what I watched recently, and I was like, that would never get made today. The original Die Hard. <gasps> so good. And <laughs> it's brilliant, but you watch That's- it. And basically that story says... The, the wife who's doing really well without this guy, she's in a high-paying job, she's doing great, but she needs the husband, <laughs> and that's kind she of... Needs John. You know what I mean? John McCain. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, sort of incredible in that, yeah, like, 
it wouldn't it wouldn't get made now but only because so many things have been based on that that actually it kind of is it kind of is amazing a film should reflect the time that we're in mm. you know if you go back to the say the 90s the only female director i can remember was Catherine bigelow who yeah. made and, uh, point break yeah and even and and also kind of quite notably kind of had to do like play with the boys do you know what i mean like those those films are brilliant but they're they're quite sort of male ish and they're you know i love point break yeah um but they're but you know they're they're kind of fast cars and guns and they're I mean, not that those things are exclusive to men, but it's it sort of, you know what I mean? It, 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 was, it was like she had to kind of, well, maybe she didn't, and that's, that's just fully her bag, which is kind of fair enough. But I feel like it's significant that she's the only female director to ever win an Oscar um, with, with a film that's not a sort of female-skewing film. But then you look at the statistics of actually something crazy like, two or 4% of Hollywood films get, like big budget Hollywood films get directed by women. And it's just grim. It's quite grim when you, I, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been doing, I've, I've got a feature idea in development that sort of has some of these ideas at its heart, but it's, it's going to be a cor- comedy horror, but, um, but it's got a sort of theory under underlying it. And, um, and so I was kind of doing some research into female directors and their and their treatment and the statistics and I just finished this reading just being like oh god why am I why am I even bothering there's no chance whatsoever but um but of course you know that's not true and we all we all keep working and doing our best but but yeah um my opinion with that if someone writes a great script and that is the best script then the material should be what gets that made yeah i yeah i mean rather than someone going well it's not very good but this ticks our boxes and that will make us look so good absolutely but i mean i think the the thing is like no one wants that you know not not even the people who are kind of being potentially getting the advantages from from those sorts of you know those sorts of things and actually i think I guess my my opinion is I, I think the issue is is partly unconscious bias as well. And what happens when a reader reads a script or watches a film that has a female name or an obviously not English sounding name and what how that potentially can bias your reading of the script and whether you think it is good. So this kind of idea of good isn't always or or even that, you know, if your if your reading team are from a particular background and then and the script is not appealing to that experience, whether you connect to it, it's like you're more likely to connect with things that are that are sort of appealing to your experience and background, and that's understandable. But but it can potentially skew things so that my you sort of go, well, what's good? How do we even like you see it with the Oscar nominations? People, the people who want to defend the kind of old guard are like, oh, but it should just be about what's good and who's the best. And it's like, well, but mm-hmm. but the people assessing who's good and who's the best are biased because yeah. I'm sorry, but that Tarantino film was rubbish. <laughs> I have some controversial opinions on. No, I do you know what I'm all for controversial opinions. <laughs> like, don't be grey. You know, no, it's, just, it's you know, I mean, it's, it's but I mean, I personally, I I really enjoyed it. But I didn't really enjoy it until it finished. It was like seven years too long. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that, that does sound crazy. And uh, yeah, while I was watching it, eight people walked out. Oh, really? And I was so close to being the ninth. And then when it finished, I was like, actually, I, I, I don't know what it was, but I thought it was brilliant. 
by the time it finished, but it could have, yeah. It you know, r- rubbish is unfair and not actually what I thought, but I, because there were brilliant bits in it and I, I kind of loved the really bloody montage at the end. But yeah, there's just, you know, the Margot Robbie, just shots of her bum and feet and that was grim and her not having any lines. And there was just, I guess, there were so many issues with it. And I kind of thought if that wasn't Tarantino, that would not have been nominated. Like a three hour film with loads of really kind of self-indulgent stuff in it that's twice as like that could have been a good film if it was half the length but someone who's a kind of debut filmmaker would never have the luxury of kind of just having just loads of pointless shots and stuff. I don't know just felt self-indulgent no that's him, him down to a T I mean when you said Margot Robbie's like oh yeah she was in that one <laughs> well exactly yeah <laughs> yeah um no but you know he's He's sort of obviously he's done some amazing stuff, but then you you kind of give someone a long rope, and potentially they don't have anybody to say to them like, yeah, you know, you know what, Quentin, like actually you don't your film doesn't need to be that long, and that scene's quite boring, and you really really don't need to reference yourself like you're so intelligent and clever, and put in loads of you know quite sexualized shots of an underage girl's feet in the front of frame, like a really creepy. Creepy dude. Yeah, he's got that. He does that quite a lot. I mean, he's very similar in that sense to Michael Hell. Sorry, Michael Bay. Oh. I keep getting his name mixed up. It's him and Satan. I always get those two mixed up. Michael Bay, Satan. The very, very Michael, very Michael Bay similar. and Satan are quite similar. Yeah, yeah. As you might tell, <laughs> not a big fan. I would massively judge anyone who is a big fan of Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, oh, let's move the camera for no reason all the time uh, because we don't yeah. we don't have a plot, so we need to just keep moving the camera. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who are some of your favourite directors? Um, oh, I love Edgar Wright. Um, I mean, yeah, and um, and I do actually love Wes Anderson. I mean, not. I think Wes Anderson represents a sort of obviously a, a, an extreme and particular aesthetic. But I still kind of love the boldness of the, like, quirky, like his quirkiness. But yeah, I, I, I love Edgar Wright's kind of imagination. Um, Lynn Ramsey, I think, is amazing. Um, who else? And when you were growing up, who did you, like, what movies sort of, would you say, influenced you? Well, so this is the thing, actually... <laughs> It was a, um, a, a slightly strange and eccentric child. Um, didn't watch that many films when I was a kid. We, um, we had this Betamax player that didn't, I couldn't play any videos. Um, and I wasn't really allowed to watch very much. So I, I think I would sort of rec- occasionally record things on the TV and watch them over right. and over again. Um, so, so, but then, but then at the same time, slightly, um, sometimes kind of inappropriate things for a young girl like coming to America which isn't that inappropriate but when you're like nine just <laughs> sniggering at all these references that you don't really understand um so yeah my my favorite films as a kid were uh, Wayne's World uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure coming to America um and a, it's like the obscure film called The Navigator um <laughs> Which was one of those The Navigator or Flight of Flight the Navigator. of the Navi- Flight of the Navigator, yes, yeah. Uh, about David who travels in time and uh, gets abducted by aliens and Do you know what? I love that film. But I've only seen it. And do you know what? I've never seen the full film of Flight of the Navigator. Oh really? 
everyone's got one of these films where no matter when they watch it, they'll fall asleep <laughs> at the same part every single time. I would watch it, and after he falls down that hill, and then the girl's like, do you want a Pepsi? And she goes through all these different drinks. I'm away. That's it. Yeah, and I don't think I've actually seen it since I was a kid, so um, hence not remembering its title. <laughs> I just, you are the navigator. And I sort of, this is the, the funny thing about, like, I mean, at, at that time, there weren't many films with, like, female protagonists. And you sort of find yourself, like, simultaneously sort of having a crush on male characters and wanting to be them at the same time. I kind of felt the way that way about, like, Michael J. Fox and um, and Back to the Future. I was like, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I sort of didn't actually really have a crush on anyone. Actually, yeah, Keanu Reeves in them. <laughs> in Bill and Ted. Because, you know, because you got to love a bit of Keanu. But, um... He's amazing, though. He doesn't age either. He doesn't age. He doesn't really... He doesn't really act. He seems a nice guy. He does seem like an amazingly nice guy. Yeah. I, listen, he's not going to be on the podcast, so I... <laughs> Can you imagine? He's uh, make, making friends with Keanu and making a, a major enemy out of Tarantino and Michael Bay. But, I mean, who cares about those? I mean... <sighs> That'll probably get edited in just case. Hey, Simon, we've got Michael Bay. Would you like to interview him? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> It'd be all Michael. I really love your film about the, the robot. I haven't I mean, even watched all those films. I've seen little clips. I like you. I love the story. And I could probably make it up and he'd be like, yeah, that was really cool. I'd be, it'd literally be the same story. Yeah. Robots fight things? Yeah. Um, <laughs> going back to the Oscars, what did you think of the best film that won? Were you happy with that? Parasite. Yeah. Oh my God. Like best film ever. So good. Like absolute, just, yeah, I just was like, this is the most perfect film in every respect. Yeah. There's not a single... And hilarious as so well. So funny, so dark, so sad, not a single frame wasted. Like the levels of, the le- the depth of the kind of detail of the the imagery in the, in the script. And, you know, when they're talking about, about cockroaches, about the sort of the dad scuttling away like a cockroach if something goes wrong. And then you see these, the shots of the family running through the rain and they're tiny in the frame, like running as though they're like, you know, there's so many, and the upstairs and the downstairs and the camera, it's just like everything visual reflects the themes. It just, and, and obviously the, oh, everything, the script's incredible. The like changes in the acts and the changes in the narrative and the performances are insane. And they're just, yeah. So yeah, love it. That switch sort of halfway through or maybe three quarters through and you're like, oh, I did not expect it to go like to go there. I was really pleased for a, a few reasons. Main one, it's going to upset a lot of Trump supporters. Mm. Uh, and there was a video, in fact, oh. of this guy going, I can't believe it's won. Joker should have won. No, Joker was, and this might be controversial. I didn't think Joker was that good. Performance incredible, but really it was just King of Comedy meets Taxi Driver. Um, and then I, I watched King of Comedy like re- really recently after watching Joker and was just like, how have you, how have you ripped that off so <coughs> much and then yeah. got nominated for an Oscar? Like you've, he's literally like ripped off half the film. And then mm-hmm. he just, it's like, what? I mean, yeah. it's one thing kind of, you know, referencing, referencing things. And it's a, it's a reason that I love Edgar Wright is a sort of gleeful, Reference, deliberate reference of things that you're meant to spot are a reference to yes. another, another film and it sort of adds an extra layer to, to something or a joke or whatever but um but then but just sort of basically stealing the whole narrative and the character and then just putting it into the batman world it's just a bit 
I'm not into the whole Marvel superhero movies. They kind of just blend into one for me. But with the Dark Knight trilogy, like Christopher Nolan, what he mm. did to Batman, making it a lot more believable, and Heath Ledger's performance in that, I'm like, I'm sorry, there's never going to be another Joker again mm. because that, to me, was the perfect uh, performance. And as much as Joaquin Phoenix did a great job as playing a guy with mental issues mm. going with more mental issues look at who the directed it it was a guy who did the hangover which i found just mm. ghastly i hated that film mm. and i didn't like the director either todd uh, todd phillips yeah, todd so that's todd phillips and tarantino we hope never and michael bade never listen to this never listen i mean scorsese's all right it's new uh but i actually i haven't seen i haven't seen the um the irishman but but just like because I, i'm just trying to psych myself up for it because i'm like i know the three it's the length thing i just think if you're gonna make a film that's over two and a half hours it better be fucking good <laughs> do you mm. know what i mean you better be damn sure yeah. that you're using every single one of those three hours because otherwise it's just a bit self-indulgent the irishman it's three hours of not much well also some yeah some some friends um who some people i very much res- whose film opinions i respect went to see it and kind of went meh and also, like, guys I know who love Scorsese and are just obsessed mm-hmm. with, like, all his older films went and were like, Neh. So as someone who's a little bit, like, I get a bit tired of some of these sort of... I mean, Taxi Driver is one of my favourite films, but but a lot of those, like, gangster... sort of just men being shitheads <laughs> for, like, three hours and you're meant to care. I loved... Um... Uh, Casino and I loved Goodfellas because they managed to make characters who who are horrible people but nasty as anything but you empathise with them you feel like you don't mind being on the journey with them but mm. what was the other film Scorsese what's the other film he did he's done loads <laughs> he's done the, the um, Mean Streets no 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 it was one of the more up to date uh, The Wolf of Wall Street oh yeah I, I mean I hated it I didn't every mind that. second of it um but maybe I just like Leo, so I can kind of... Ah, well, I mean, he's fantastic, but it was just... It was like, I don't want to be in this character's mm. company any longer. See, I, see, I thought that about Goodfellas. Um, I just was like... I got to the bit where he's, like, abusing his wife and just was like, I'm sorry, I don't care about this man. Like, <laughs> he can fuck off. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I didn't think that about Wolf of Wall Street, though. Um what is next then for you? Is there going to be any more of transaction? Is that like a kind of, uh, uh, could that turn into a, a TV series? Uh, it could potentially. Um, I think that that was probably the hope in, in terms of writing it, that, that it gets enough kind of love and popularity that, um, that it gets made into a full series. Um, I think sadly... There's no guarantees that I would get to direct that if it did happen. Um, oh, you've got a direct. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, I mean, obviously. Did you help write it? I didn't. No, I came. I came on board with the scripts done, um, and then there was mm-hmm. a bit of a bit of prep and a bit of sort of bit of tweaking. Um, but no, um, they were written by Jordan Gray, who who stars in it. Um, she was hilarious. Yeah. Like, I, when I was watching it, I kept thinking. I don't think I'd be able to make this. Like, I don't think I'd get through a day and be like, "Oh, we've got so much done today." Yeah, because like, it, it, there was there was definitely some corpsing. There was particularly some corpsing in the um, episode four when Marek Larwood's in it. Um, the the kind of woke customer 
or the sort of accidentally woke customer, you know, the the poor guy who's... I know that. I know someone who's just very, very much like that, oh. where they're so careful on what they say because they don't want to, like, offend mm-hmm. anyone, but remind him of a friend, Dave, and I'm not going to call him out. <laughs> totally was reminding him of a friend, Dave. But, yeah, um, um, no, Mary's hilarious. I, um, I've known him kind of through comedy stuff for, for years and, um, yeah, read th- read that character and was like, we've got to get Marek. And, and luckily he said yes and... Um, and was just brilliant, but yeah, there was there was some major corpsing from um, from Jordan actually, who <laughs> was like opposite Marek, and you can sort of see her in a couple of shots, just just <laughs> and it's yeah, and it's hard because um because I mean we were so up against it on the schedule, we shot um we shot the whole thing all six eps in five days, um and there was because it's a sort of web series budget and and we were being very ambitious with the kind of look of it and wanted it to feel as cinematic as possible um and that kind of meant and and also like just some slightly like crazy bits in it like the in episode two there's like a car crash and um and that and that kind of rube goldberg machine inspired thing with the with this the uh cereal boxes going down the aisle and knocking over um Stuart, who then falls into some tins and we were like basically having these stunts without you know without having a stunt coordinator or anything <laughs> just being like well we can just I was just like well we'll just put him on a skateboard <laughs> and like whizzing in the back of shot uh, which sort of sort of didn't really work but I found it quite funny um but I think because I've I've come through again kind of coming through uh doing sort of guerrilla filming and and my own short films and stuff you just sort of get used to like finding solutions to things and being like well we could you know yeah we we don't have the the budget to do that but let's do it anyway obviously within the the safety health and yeah it was all health and safety (laughs) i feel like the 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 producer would be like no we didn't we we were very safe (laughs) doing it all um but yeah no we we had to do this car crash and then sort of realized doing it that um that tom uh, who plays Tom in the series uh, doesn't drive, mm. so we had to try and get him to like. <laughs> so we couldn't get him to reverse. There was this sort of bit where he's like reverses into a dude who gets run over, and obviously we have to do it like coordinating the movement of the guy running and getting run over. Um, and those are the sorts of shots that, like in a normal shoot, you'd have like half a day to do and a proper like coordinated like stunt stuff, and you know the like the first AD was just so good and kind of um, like basically made, like made it possible and made it happen. But we had like sort of members of the crew pushing the, pushing the car backwards so that Tom could just no. release the handbrake and have the, have the thing roll instead of actually driving. Cause he couldn't drive. There was just all this, all these things that you kind of go, yeah, I mean, and that was, we had to do that. It was like, we shot nine pages that day, including those two stunts, which is quite a lot, you know, I think sort of yeah. five is, is usually pushing it. Um, and there was like no zero overtime, like not even a minute of overtime was, was allowed. So it, it was, you know, I was, <laughs> I was just there being like, right, what are we doing now? Quick. I was in this like sort of Uber, uh, not stressed, but just like get it done, get it done fast kind of brain in overdrive mode. So, so then when there's corpsing, you sort of like really want to to have fun and let people have fun, but and and also enjoy it yourself because like you know it is funny and fun at yep. those times. But at the same time, we're just going like, "Yep, yeah, stop laughing now." 
this isn't oh, i know this right, is a comedy right. but we need to get the shot <laughs> yeah um, so it's, uh, i know this is a comedy but this isn't a laughing matter yes exactly we have to get this done <laughs> stop having stop fun. having fun and do the shoot <laughs> just just yeah, get the yeah. i just need to get the shot <laughs> okay good yes fine good so uh, well, that remind me a little bit of the exorcist there where you were talking to yourself i'm like oh, that's like reagan's there all right reagan um, <laughs> yeah it did not look like it took five days like oh. it's so good and that shot when he he reverses and you know he hits uh, uh is it alex is it alex um he hits he hits like a dude who's been who's been shoplifting yeah, it was so unexpected and that might have been because of how you had to like, you know what I mean, like do it. Maybe if you had more time, it would have been more elaborate. But the fact that you had to kind of do this quick, that's why it was. And I jumped when I was like, oh my God, like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? I would like to see more. But like, put it this way, when it finished, I was, because as I say, I binged it. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not all of them. Surely, no. The way I came across you was your photography. That was before I even knew you were a filmmaker. Oh, really? And that was when you were on some... I don't know. You were on holiday for like forever. Yeah, I was. I was. Like a lot of people when they go on holiday, they'll just take selfies or whatever. But I felt like I'd been on that holiday. They took so many photos. <laughs> I did. Well, they weren't just good photos. They were absolutely like stunning. And oh. then it's like, she's a filmmaker. And then I went and watched some of your stuff. It's like, I've got to get her on the oh, show. Oh, amazing. And it was... Uh, Instagram does work. Yeah, it totally does. And that Wasteland film, that was amazing. Oh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, we shot, we shot that in... It was made in 48 hours. Yeah, it was... um... Some people would say that's bragging, but I won't. It's 48 hours. Yeah, so it was was like a 48-hour, one of those kind of film competitions where we we got the topic on... It was like 5 o'clock on the... I think it technically wasn't... It was slightly more than 48 hours because we got got the topic for the script on the Friday at 5 o'clock and it had to be handed in by like 10 a.m. on the Monday. Um, So it was like, get the topic... Write a write a script, send the script out, shoot it on the shoot it on the Saturday, and then I edited it like overnight on the Sunday. Got it graded on the Sunday, um, and meanwhile, yeah, and then, then yeah, and then died on Monday. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So um, so we yeah, it was, that was really good fun actually, and and I think it's it's really cool to do those kind of ground level things and realize that you you know I think. Like a lot of people who want to get into film or they're starting out, they feel like the bar's too high or they kind of can't make, you know, how, oh, how can I possibly do it? I haven't got the money. I haven't got the equipment. And I think, you know, especially if you make something short, there's always, there's always someone who's got a camera. Um, you know, these things are, these things are kind of a lot more possible than you, than you think they are. And a lot of, a lot of people are willing to give up, you know, a day or two of their time. I did this short film that was shot in Derbyshire and um, and quite a lot of it was shot outside and um, and the weather was like insane. It was like we were in this kind of microcosm of all weathers in one in one place we had and on one one day it rained, snowed, hailed, and then was sunny in the space of a morning and we were meant to be shooting all this stuff outside. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I mean, literally no. we would shoot the wide shot and it would be like sunny and then it just started snowing. And I was like, well, this isn't going to match. We can't just cut to a freaking close up and it's suddenly snowing. <laughs> so, yeah. so then it's just like, you just have to go inside and wait and then like lose all of the time. Um, oh, it's just, it was ridiculous. These things that you sort of 
just hoping are going to work out and then sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. So you say you're working on a feature, is that the next thing that you want to do? Yeah, I've um, I've co-written a um, comedy drama TV script that um, that's kind of doing the rounds at the moment with production companies, so keeping everything crossed that someone likes that because um, I'm super excited about that. Um, and then, yeah, and then working on a feature. It's kind of early stage feature idea. Um, I kind of know vaguely what it's about, but it's still kind of still at that. I mean, I'm at that, I'm at that sort of ruminating stage. I, I kind of, I tend to, when I write things, I write them reasonably quickly, but I actually spend ages thinking about them beforehand. So actually, and I kind of consider that writing time as well in a way, even though I'm just sort of sitting on my sofa going, what am I, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it good? Ah. And then sort of eventually kind of eventually work it out and, and then get to the writing bit. Yeah. I just find if I, if I start writing too early before I've kind of worked it out, if it, I, I still definitely suffer from the sort of, if it's rubbish, I'll just discard it. And just, I'm, I'm like too critical of myself probably and too crit- like critical of my writing as it's happening and I kind of actively have to like remind myself that first drafts aren't meant to be good and that you just need to go through that process so that you can get this kind of bare bones thing that you then that you then work from but I'm still pretty rubbish at that if I'm like not feeling it I'll just be like this is the worst thing anyone's ever written I don't deserve to live it needs to go in the bin now nah. so uh yeah so I've have to I have to work against that demon <laughs> trying to get anything done. You know, done. You, that, that demon, to be honest, sounds scary, so yeah. Yeah, shit! Everything you've ever done has been shit! Shut up! <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a tame version of The Exorcist, yeah. to be fair. Like, there's no crucifixes going on there, but, you know, slagging off your right yeah, and still just, a bit Yeah, it's just mean. me being a bit unkind to myself. <laughs> what makes you laugh? I kind of... I do love things that are, like, have a bit of a dramatic part to them like I mean it's not super recent but Flowers is I just think it's the most awesome comedy series that's been made recently The End of the Fucking World I really like um, that was brilliant they're right in another season I believe if it's not as good mm. as the first one it's gonna taint you know the rest and I know people go well it won't change anything from the first one I'm like yeah but it makes me I get anxious like when it's, it's like when Mary Poppins 2 came out I was so anxious like if this is shit <laughs> everything's ruined there's gonna be a riot in this cinema I love that you went to Mary Poppins from that just imagine you as a child just being like loving I actually was slightly obsessed with Mary Poppins as a, as a kid as well did, have you, did you see the last one I haven't seen no, I haven't seen the um, recent one. But yeah, I think I, I I also went I went through this phase as a child of sort of like just learning books, and then when I was told to like write a story at school, would sometimes just re. Oh, actually, no, I don't think it was anything to do with school. I would just memorize books and then write them out with little illustrations. <laughs> I bet I basically memorized the whole of the Little Mermaid, the Disney film, and then like made made puppet of all the characters and then like forced my family to watch my version in which I did all the songs <laughs> and all the I did all of it I just did all of it in a, yeah because my yeah I think I, I got my cousin who was uh who was slightly better at drawing than me to help me with the the like pu- the drawing the drawing the puppets and like poking them up behind we would you know when you'd like turn a table around and you stand behind it poking the puppets up and down like this little kind of 
pictures on sticks. And then I, it was just me doing all of it. Like, like a sort of schizophrenic. It's much like my life now. Um, and uh, yeah, even to this day, if you, if you put the Little Mermaid on, I can still, still sort of sing and talk along. Word for word. That's the only one they haven't remade yet, isn't it? Yeah, then they're, they're doing it though. I'm very easily moved in in movies, by the way. Uh, embarrassment would, would be a good name. Um, like people go, really, King Kong? Uh, yes. No, I think it was about an ape, and it made me sad. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're uh, your love of Mary Poppins tells me all I need to know. In a, in oh the my best god, possible you've way. got to watch Mary Poppins too. Honest, <laughs> I swear to God, movies that move you. To me, that is a good movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like 1917, oh my God. Have you seen that? I haven't yet, no. I... See, I'm not usually into the whole war thing, but yeah, that's that just... one hit me oh, really? like so hot. Like, yeah, it was very, very moving. And also the music and the way they tie the imagery into the music really? and, you know, they know how to play these tricks on you to make Simon cry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, I found it very moving. And also because we know it's like a true story and, it actually, you know, it actually happened and stuff and um, yeah. well worth watching. In fact, I actually thought that should have won Best Picture had it not been for um, uh, uh, Parasite. Like, to mm. me, it was between those two. Like, had that got it, I would have been like, well, that's fair enough because it is a remarkable mm. film. But at the same time, No, Parasite I do. Was... I, that's on, it's on my list of things to see. I kind of, I know I'm, I know I sort of, I feel like it's one of those ones that I need to see to sort of, appreciate the cinematography because it's clearly going to be amazing hey it's simon here i hope you're enjoying this podcast i'd really appreciate it if you can share this episode and subscribe to the podcast on each podcast filmmakers talk about their process and their journey on the next episode i'm joined by lin chen whose film i will make you mine was selected to be premiered at this year's South by Southwest, which was unfortunately cancelled. It was her directorial debut after spending most of her career in front of the camera as a professional actor. So that's what we've got coming up next. But right now, let's get back to this week's guest. You know, obviously, Transactions out now and bingeable and is on all of Comedy Central's social media platforms, including Instagram and YouTube and their website and Facebook. Um, although Facebook, they've made it square. So don't watch it on Facebook, watch it on the other ones. Um, don't be a don't square watcher. Yeah, don't be a square watcher. Very good, very good. Um, it's just like we had, you know, we had this amazing DOP and we'd like shot everything like you've got these considered shots that are you know and obviously you know filmmakers are pretty obsessive bunch and we set up a shot and you tinker with everything and you set all the background up and it's all kind of balanced and aligned and then you make it and they fucking cut the sides off and you're like you can't even see the half of that person's face um anyway no uh, it was fine I'm, I'm so happy that they did that <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. I mean, I think uh, it, I don't know, it's all it's all just the sort of social media strategy, isn't it? Of kind of people scroll, watching on their phones and supposedly Square stuff does better and gets more views and whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you can watch the, you can watch the proper version uh, on, yeah, on YouTube and on Comedy Central and, and actually Instagram, the Instagram videos are, are in the, the kind of wide version as well. 
Yeah, and I highly recommend anyone listening to this to make sure you do watch it on YouTube, watch it the proper way because it is it is brilliant and it does look like when you hear web series, sometimes you can have certain thoughts or what that's going to be like. This looks like a movie, and I'm not just saying that because Ruth is still here. It actually does look like a movie. It look, it's brilliant. It's very funny, very well written. How did you go about getting representation? Um, well, it was... Was it lots of coffee? Uh, yeah, yeah, bribing people with coffee. No, it, it was, I, I guess it, it was a result of doing transaction, actually, that um, that I then knew that I had that to, to kind of send around as well as the short films. Um, and then, um, and yeah, and then this, this script that I'm co-writing with Bradley um that I sort of had got I yeah I guess it was a a strategic thing of I kind of waited until I had that coming up to to share with agents um yeah it was a I guess it's been a bit of a long old road getting representation um because I think you have to sort of wait for the right the right people as well Definitely. And what advice would you give to any young filmmaker listening to this? Have coffee with Michael Bay. <laughs> and don't slag off Tarantino. Um, no. Ever. Because <laughs> he'll, he'll, he won't care. He'll reject your opinion anyway. I reject your opinion. I reject your question. That's just his strategy now for everything. Every time someone has a genuine, reasonable thing to say about his movie. Hey, Quentin, why is your movie rubbish? I, re- I reject your question. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not answering your question. Um, <laughs> Did you see the video when he kicked someone oh in, uh, in Sundance? I didn't. Have you seen that? No, I'm going to look it up as soon as this finishes. Yeah, I mean, sort of, uh, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the kind of the bad behaviour that, I mean, I don't really generalise, but I sort of feel like these, these kind of establishment, generally white males, uh, have been allowed to get away with and is seen seen as kind of I mean I think um, this is obviously generalising but it does seem to be the case that sort of men in power can get away with a lot and uh, and a woman does the same and she's you know she's bossy and emotional and um, stressed and a guy is just like he just knows what he wants he's just a genie he's so dynamic he's he's particular he wants to kick someone <laughs> he's fine he's like can you imagine if a like a female director <laughs> kicked someone they would be like she has lost her fucking mind oh yeah that's good advice don't be a dick don't kick anyone <laughs> no i think i think the the main the main <laughs> Yeah, I just love what? that. Like in the, in the podcast, people listen to this. Oh, I'm going to get some good advice because she's obviously doing really good, nice stuff. Advice, yeah. Don't be a dick and don't kick no one. Picket shit advice. Um, yeah, I think uh, my my key thing is like don't be af- don't be afraid. Um, don't think that there's a don't be, don't take no for an answer. Don't think that there's like it's it's that difficult. Just do it. Don't be like, oh, but I've got to wait until, you know, I've got £50,000 to make my short film. No, just do it and make it. And then, you know, it might be rubbish, but you'll learn so much from it that you'll then be able to make something and maybe you'll get a bit more money. I think it's that sort of just get out there and just start doing stuff because that's how you learn and that's how you get better. And don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to pester and all that stuff. And I think if you do it with with in good faith kind of um yeah like politely and respectfully and do do things as best you can with 
with the people that you have available to you and um find your crew as well kind of I mean find your kind of group of people like the the shorts that I made I um I kind of had some of the same actors I've got I've definitely got actors that I know I can trust to do stuff and I'll definitely want to work with again and also and doing that with crew as well is like finding your people and finding the people that get you and get the way you want to work and that you get on with um and you do all that by just doing it so just like get on with it get out there don't think that you have to have a load of money and um you know have loads of connections to be able to do stuff that's my actual advice and also don't be a dick and don't kick anyone (laughs) back in the room (laughs) uh, uh, Ruth it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today yeah likewise it's been awesome so nice to speak to you and that's it for this episode and as always a big thank you to Ruth for taking the time to chat with us and you can find out more about Ruth by going over to our website cinechill.com where you can find the episode page for this podcast and there you'll find links on how to connect with Ruth and see her show, Transaction. If you did like this episode, go to iTunes, leave a review and subscribe. Doing that will really help us. But until next time, thanks for listening.